Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Yeah, welcome back. Final hour of the Crunch Time program this Saturday afternoon. Scotty Sattler, Adrian Brashenko. I'm Julian King. Now, Joel Kane was meant to be calling the game at 4 o'clock today. He's uh, done a hammy in the warm-up, so we've had to call the great Potsy Braybrook off the bench. He doesn't have to work anymore. Last He's got switch. a business transaction that he's seeing too. Yeah, yeah one yeah, of those. Uh, the uh, Hamilton variety. Yeah, a few too many drinks mm. out of coconuts at Hamilton Island. He's missed his flight, Joel Kane. So he's a late scratching, Shug. And uh, the good man that he is, Potsy, is going to fill the breach. So he'll be joining Brett Kamali, Mark Spud Carroll. I'll be doing the pregame in an hour's time with Noddy and Spud. It's the second of the semifinals between the New Zealand Warriors and the Newcastle Knights. And the winner of that game will take on the Brisbane Broncos in a prelim next week. You know, I'd, at the start of the year, I must confess, I didn't have the Bronx boys in my head. I had them sniffing around the eight. I said I wouldn't be surprised if they made it. I think I was spooked by their, their late-season spiral last mm. year. I, I knew Reese Walsh would have an impact. I didn't know how big an impact he'd have. But further to that, I mean, you look at that success. He's almost the missing piece of the puzzle. But... The likes of your Stags and your Farnworths and then your Haas and your Carrigans and, and all these guys, they are better from that experience last year. Like yep. everyone has gotten better to the point where I still think Penrith's the best team in the competition, but I think Brisbane is the most exciting team to watch. Agree with all of that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a pretty concerning blowout. Like they were well in contention. They were in the four yeah. and then they lost five of their last six. Uh, to absolutely crash and burn and miss out altogether. It was a bit like South in many respects. Um, and everyone expected a lot from them. So, no, it's they are a good story. Ezra Mam is, is another one that's gotten better. It's a point where, you know, Kevy said, I'm going to hang on to him. It's going to come a point, as we've seen with Penrith, I think, the better these guys get, because he's not in a lot of money. You can't keep him all, Scotty. No, you can't. And we're looking for this depth in the halves. And people are saying there's no depth in the halves. There's no sort of next generation a group of halves that are coming through. There's Sam Walker, who's going to be a, he's a good player now, but he'll play a lot of origins in his career. Sammy Walker, where does Ezra Mam sit amongst all this? I remember watching Ezra Mam as a 16-year-old and thinking it is just a matter of when this kid, how young he plays first grade. And when he does, it all comes down to the, every player's got a different age and some are different. They've got this, this age that all of a sudden it just clicks, whatever it may be, whether it's the amount of games you play, whether... Yeah, some only need minimal games before they can start having an immediate impact. But this Broncos side have now got a group of players that have played sort of 60 or 70 first grade games. Mm. They sort of understand their their place around the dressing room, where they sit within the, the dynamics of the side. So, But the best part about all of this is that Kevy, when questioned by players about whether he can coach or not, is not the point. He's never, ever strayed away from his greatest attribute, and that's his personality. Mm. His ability just to relax the environment and let his assistant coaches take a, a lot of ownership of the side and, and then working side by side with a, a player like Adam Reynolds, who is, again, like we're talking about with Ben Hunt, it just becomes an extension of the coaching side. So, yeah, they're fast, this side. They're so fast and they're fearless and they don't fear Penrith at all. They just don't fear them. So, um, yeah, they're, they're a pretty special little side, actually. I'm so happy for Kevy Walters. 
it's almost like the knock on him is that he wasn't a spreadsheet kind of coach, so he wouldn't necessarily dazzle in the interview, you know, by putting all the data. But yep. you know, you, you know better than I, and you, you've done a piece on him too, Prashenka, that maybe he's more of a, a people person style coach. But whatever he's doing, it's working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he would have come into the the season under a fair bit of pressure, yeah. and we forget it now. But just as he was coming into Red Hill for that first sort of training session. That's when that Selwyn Cobbo podcast came out. Mm. And I know that he comes off as the court jester and, and a, a happy-go-lucky guy. And when I think about a Brisbane Broncos player that I'd like to have a beer with, perhaps with the exception of Alan Langer, I think <laughs> of Kevy Walters. And because he's – and I think that, um, you know, he's got that sort of disarming personality and he's, he's always got a one-liner and he's good with a throw-off. And I think that part of that sort of deflection hides what a, a passionate – um, bloke he is and, and just how much he wants to win but I, I was told a story about how he basically came in and those comments from Selwyn which were, were done on a podcast in October and they only got picked up at the start of the preseason they really cut him to the bone and and some of the things that Selwyn said and I know that it's a much more relaxed atmosphere when you're talking on a podcast but he basically said yeah he's a good bloke but I don't think he's a good coach um, I, you know he said verbatim but the the way he coaches is a bit weird, I guess. He's a good person, though. He's an all right coach. And apparently when he first came in, he walked into the headquarters and addressed the staff and, and in his own sort of way said, like, I'm, I'm a bit hurt by this. I'm going to need a little bit of help just to get through it, to pick me up so that when the boys come in, I can give them a really good experience um, for training for this week. So they, they've had a bit of a chat about it. And then he's got all the players in. And it was a really crucial moment because their season could have gone one of either two ways. It could have been a big distraction and caused a rift and a division. But instead, he got them together and he said, listen, I've had this chat with Selwyn. Selwyn's good. Uh, there's nothing else. It's been addressed. Hatchet buried. There's no dramas. We're all good. Um, and then he said, um, basically, Selwyn's going to train his ass off. And I'm going to go back to being a shithouse coach. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> just cracked up. Yeah. It just widened the mood. It was never broached again. It was just the way that Kevy, with that personality that you were talking about, Sats, mm. was able to just lance the boil, issue sorted, and from then on, they just trained hard, mm. went ahead, all good. Yeah, and uh, the, there's this perception that young players come into first grade and they they think it's all going to be the, the X's and O's and all the spreadsheets across the across the room, and you've got to go and study all this, you know, this, this huge playbook like you see in the NFL. Again, I'll go back to what, what Trent Robinson mentioned pre-game yesterday, it's all about simplicity. So it, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about working with the players between the years because if you've got the players physically that you know can do the job and they've proven they can do it with the amount of players that have now started to play Origin and now playing finals, is it? you just got to be able to massage those, those personalities and keep them wanting to turn up to training. And really quickly on spreadsheets, he went for the, the North Queensland Cowboys job and they asked for his PowerPoint presentation. And he said, what, what are you talking about? Like, they wanted a PowerPoint presentation. And he didn't have a clue what they like, I've never put together a PowerPoint presentation. I'm just up here to talk to you about what I can bring to the club as a coach and recruit players and yada, yada, yada. Now, of course, he didn't get the job. And they gave it to Paul Green, God rest his soul, which ended up being the right decision. They ended up winning the comp. But in saying that, it's... It's not about the spreadsheets. It's not about the PowerPoints. I mean, if you asked Craig Bellamy or John Lang or one of those guys to put together a PowerPoint or a, pre or a spreadsheet, they would never have a clue. But what they do know 
is that they know they know how to keep an environment happy. He's he's won six comps, five of those for the Broncos. He's got a, a deep love for that club. But it's funny the the only other club that he played for was Canberra. And I remember talking to some people about his time there and uh, guys like Loz and Sheenzy and Mal. And they said they used to do this thing called King of the Ring where you'd have inside a boxing ring, you'd, you'd sort of put a, a rope around and, and you'd either do forwards and backs or you'd mix them up sometimes. And the idea was that you, you'd wrestle and you'd try to either throw them out of the ring or get them to take a knee. And they said the king of the ring without fail was Mal Meninga. Like mm. everyone would do their best. They'd go to each other and then it would be Mal's turn and he'd just toss you out like, like you're you know, three foot tall. So anyway, the only guy who ever beat Mal, and he did it not by throwing him out of the ring but making him sort of like go down on a knee, was Kevy Walters. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unit they called him. They reckon he was just yeah. a tough little, really yeah. competitive guy. On the uh, 86, uh, the 90 kangaroo tour? They apparently the bus, the little guys and the big guys on the bus, and they were all having a go at each other. You sit in the same seats when you're on those tours, and and he, um, the little guys were bagging the big guys. So the big guys said, "Right, pull the bus up." In the middle of nowhere, apparently, in some part of the north of England, on the side of the road, they went little men versus big men, wrestle out on the <laughs> side of the road, and so there was uh, Alf and Kevy and Kerrod Walters, Timmy Brasher, Benny Elias, just to name a few on the the little guys, and on the other side it was. Mark Sargent, uh, John Cartwright, <laughs> Mark Geyer, um, Spud, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're all wrestling, and all of a sudden Big Mal walked off the bus, and all the little fellas just disappeared into the. Bush. <laughs> 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 you know, it's funny talking about spreadsheets and, and data and the rest of it. I was chatting to a, an NRL coach, and to one of the assistants. Huge on the data. It's really impressive stuff. It's not to say it doesn't have its place, but the problem is that half the players leave the meeting. And they have no grasp of what's been said. Mm. They can't process it. Yeah. When you boil it down, it's, it's all in good. But if they don't get the message, then you might as well be talking to a brick wall. Well, well he, he missed out. He first went for that Broncos job in 2019. And I, I remember mm. Wayne Bennett in his book that was done by my colleague, um, Andrew Webster, recently said, you're not ready for the job. Um, but he's come back. He's done a very long apprenticeship. He's worked under the best, you know, like Bennett, Bellamy. Uh, he spent time with Sheens. And now he's the real deal. He's the the finished product. He's he's rounded that apprenticeship out, and um, he's got that team humming. Wayne was always big too, wasn't he? Sats on rather than just go from an assistant role straight into a head coach's role because they're poles apart. To you know maybe coach Q Cup get your legs in a coaching sense. Yeah, Paul Green did exactly that. He was part of the Broncos system, and then he went back and coached Winner Manly Seagulls in the Queensland Cup and won. Uh, he won back-to-back premierships in 2011, 2012, I think it was. And uh, Jakey Granville was was part of that squad. And, um, yeah, did his apprenticeship and then was meant to go in. Well, then he went into the Broncos system and then went up to the Cowboys and got that job as well. So it's, yeah, some some people are in a real rush to be a head coach. I mean, remember Gus in 1988? I think he was... 29 or 30. He just come out. He only just retired, hadn't he? Come out of 30 yeah. and, and coached them to a premiership in, in 1988. I mean, Against his just, old mentor too. What? That is phenomenal. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, Brownie mm. was 29 when he coached the Dragons and infamously slapped <laughs> Trent Barrett. <laughs> yeah, 2003, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah.
a long mm. time ago. Lance on the sideline. Talking about the Broncos, um, is it Lee Bryce, a former Warrington? Lee Breers, Lee yeah. Breers, sorry, Lee Breers. Um, apparently, he's been very influential in the way they play. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, I guess using the speed of the likes of, of Walsh and, and Cobbo and just giving him space. But I like this more broadly speaking. You think about Basball, allowing your players to express themselves and utilise the talents they have. Right, so if, you know, for example, Reese Walsh tries to throw a big cutout, doesn't land. Okay, no worries, you'll get the next one. To the point but, now, I think they, I haven't checked, but they'd they'd be almost leading the competition yeah. for line breaks, wouldn't but they? But there'd the be Broncos, some co- there'd be some coaches who try to coach that out of yeah. Reese. Don't Walsh. have a pass the no, ball. No, don't yeah. don't do that. Yeah. I want I want zero errors per game, and that that comes back to that X's and O's stuff. Like mm. let you know, you give them a framework, mm. and then let let them express themselves within it, and that's what well, it's just, he does. It's just about making the right decision, doesn't it? Yep. Just teaching the player to make the right decision. I mean, if you're going to make that play, just make sure, you know, it's it's the right decision. If it doesn't come off, well, you may try it again, but you just got to make sure the next time you do it, it's 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 executed the, well, the right way. Well, Bellamy was like that. He would say to like you know, especially like with Billy Slater and all of those guys. You know, they do that inside outside play. He said mm. you can do whatever you want in a game, and and he finally, he was a bit reticent. He said, all right, you, I'll let you do it if that's what you want to do. You need to practice it and practice it and practice it until you get it right every time, mm. and then you can use it in a game. Hey, where do you rate? Where do you? And I'll put this out to the listeners as well: zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Based on their careers and their age right now, Billy Slater and Reese Walsh. Would you agree that Reese is ahead of Billy? I'm not saying he's going to end up as good as I think the greatest fullback we've ever seen, mm. yep. both he and Langlands. But um, does he? At the same age right now, at the stage of their careers, is, is Reese ahead of yep. Billy? I think so. He's, he's a more complete football player at this age, I think, at than the Billy was age, in yeah. terms of his, his passing game. And he, he has the potential to be, you know, mentioned in the, in the same breath of those guys that you mentioned, Sats, if he yeah. continues on his current trajectory. Mm. Remember we did that exercise uh, a few weeks ago about the, the 10 fullbacks you've seen, and I had the uh, temerity gall audacity to suggest that Reese Walsh would be among that group. and Of all time? Of all time. Oh, I love this oh, stuff. I know. Oh, Slater, I've got so Slater's so my number much. one. Right. Oh, the reptile. I think they were all into me. Everyone with the, the feedback <laughs> line just said you're an imbecile. Billy, Billy's but, number But we'll one. see if it ages well or yeah. not. Bill, Billy's number yeah. one. Like, I never saw... Oh, no, he was I obviously never, number one, but he was... The, the fact that he was even... Yeah, yeah. I mean, know, I, I never saw Churchill play, but I can't imagine him being better than Slater. Langlands, I didn't see play, but you know, I remember talking to Bozo about Langlands and the esteem in which he held him. You know, my you dad, know. my dad, as a kid growing up, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, and he used to rub shoulders with a lot of those players on a mm. sort of weekly basis. And, and Chang had moved to the Gold Coast at this stage, one of the greatest players of all time. And he used to stand inside an orange, a big orange, like as in the fruit orange, which <laughs> would split in half and open up. And he'd sit in there and he'd make orange juice. It was his, it was his own orange juice. Like store. Hang on, what he'd sit on an orange seat. and yes, so he'd be squeezing like squeezing orange, making fresh orange juice, and he <laughs> in the shopping centre in Southport on the Gold Coast, and yeah, okay. and um and a lot of people went to it because it was Chang Langlands. But my dad, at the age of twelve, sat me down and he he put about four VHS tapes in front of me. He said, "I want you to watch these tapes, and I don't want you to leave this room, and I want you to watch the number one, and it was Chang." And it was honestly, it was one of the great rugby league educations. Watching not only that great dragon side, which was a for uh, the the unlimited tackle rule, uh, but then Chang 
just the the influence that he had on a game was just yeah ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. The things that he could do. Can I revisit that list very quickly? Because I I didn't hear it. So mm. Billy was your one. Yes. Who was your two? Jake? Oh, I'd have to go back, but um, yeah, give us a moment and I'll see if I can find it. But G- was Jimmy Jack well, in your think... top ten? No, he wasn't. Badge. He was Badge in Satz's. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Teddy was there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had uh, I had Billy number one. Yeah. I had Chang number two. Uh, I had Wombat in there. Graham Eady. Graham Eady. Yeah. Really forgotten about when you talk about oh, great fullbacks. That that sort of manly team of the late seventies. I mean, he was mm. dominant, wasn't he, Wombat? Yeah. Big I, unit. I had Hayne in there, which was one of those um, ones that I agonised over. But at his best, he was exceptionally good. What mm. about Turbo? Turbo was in there. Okay. I think. Um, Ended up being a pretty long list. <laughs> what, about, what about the draft? Big Paulie Hoff. Just missed out. <laughs> oh. Just shaded, hey? Just be on Paul Carriage. Paul oh, Carriage. Oh, Paul Carriage. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that too. It was the 98 prelim, oh, wasn't it, against it the was... dogs? Trailing by 18, 10 to go. So he's kicked it back, and Craig Polamounter has almost kicked a field goal as the siren was sound. It like just mm. scraped under the crossbar, the black dot. <laughs> That, uh, that killed John Simon's Parramatta career too. Smithy didn't want him, him after too, that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He said any other halfback would have won me that game. That's hey, very harsh. When we come back from the break, uh, Tommy, two phones. Can we talk about a couple of texts here? Because we spoke about who the centres could be for, for Australia. There's a couple of texts here from Andrew and, and also Simon. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, speaking of texts, Uncle Lol Lol uh, on the text line. Re-refs, settle a bet for us. Is the game clock supposed to be stopped during a conversion attempt in the last five or ten minutes of a match because it wasn't last night? Tommy's throwing his arms up then. I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just saying. Yes. Just, I, this is a, a, a bear bug of mine, butt bag, whatever. I, I, something of my words there. I think any time a conversion is made, whether it's in the third minute, the 50th minute, or the 79th minute, even a penalty goal, stop the clock. Yeah, I, I agree. Think you just, why would you not want more like ball and play time? Yes, I don't understand. I don't understand it. It could mean yep. that games are going for two hours. But I just think it's time wasting. I, I hate it. Even if it's yep. in the first minute, and you go for a penalty goal, stop the clock. Yep, it's only stopped while the player is setting up, walking back, mm. and then they put it back in as the player it. starts to walk into his approach. You've opened mm. a wound on for Tommy. Oh yeah, <laughs> mm. it just happened last night with Nick Meaney. When I, it's not the reason why we lost. I'm just saying. I just, I just, no, you just notice it more when it's happened to your team. That last goal where he's setting up, he's just taking, and all credit, he's allowed to do it. He's playing within the rules, but he's taking every single second and setting it up. I just think stop the clock when a conversion's being made. Magpie 20, guys, it's almost beyond belief. Carlton kicked the winning goal, 56 seconds on the clock. Storm score winning try, a minute 55 on the clock. Finals footy, uh, does it deliver or what? Yeah, can't disagree with that, Magpie 20. Do that can turn out, though, can't they? Mm. Melbourneians. Yeah. Like 96,000 at the G. What do they get? They couldn't even get 20,000 at Amy Park. Flash scores around the grounds. <laughs> GWS 8. So Richmond vitamins. 17 uh, in the AFLW. But at quarter time, it was Richmond 2 leading GWS nil. Is it Bankstown? Stop the fight. Yeah. Seriously? 2-0 wow. at quarter time. Two behinds. Yeah. That's horrible. They're starting to kick away here, the Tigers. They had to, they had to delay the start of this game because there was a snake on the field. <laughs> Yeah, very, very small snake. Yeah, it was you get a few of those. That big sats. Yeah, I, I can't do so. I'm not picking. I'm like Indiana Jones. No, thank you. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. In our real crunch time.